This is the Coors Light Jarrett Scaldi Show. Live from Gameworks at Newport on the Levee. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Here's your host, Nick Brunker. Ah, yes, back and better than ever at Gameworks. This is the Coors Light Jarrett Scaldi Show with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jarrett Scaldi. My voice has returned probably to the dismay of everyone here. Alongside the head coach and Rob Roberts as well after a weekend where the Cyclones picked up two points on Sunday after defeating the Trenton Titans by a 3-0 score. Certainly a very good weekend uh, for the Cyclones. It began on Saturday despite a loss, a very well-played game by your boys. I guess we'll start there and, and tell me about your feelings on, on the weekend as a whole, but I guess maybe primarily the, the Reading game, although not the result you wanted. Good effort by the guys. You know, I thought Saturday we played uh, extremely well. I thought we did a lot of uh, competing in all areas, our, our D zone, and, uh, you know, limiting them to some opportunities. We had some opportunities ourselves we created from, uh, you know, strong defensive play. But, um, you know, uh, 2-1 lead going to third, obviously, is a, a disappointment when you uh, you have that lead. You played that well for 40 minutes, and uh, we just we just got into some penalty troubles. I thought a few of them were uh, – a little questionable, but you know, at the end of the day, you, you've got to move your feet, and um, you know, you got to you got to avoid some of that stick work. And uh, a team like uh, Reading just thrives on the power play. They they do a great job, uh, um, you know, on their power play. And unfortunately, we didn't get uh, get anything out of that game. So uh, you know, it was it was pre- it was pretty disappointing. I thought we played well enough to win. I thought we controlled the pace most of the night, and except for maybe about four or five minutes in the third period when they were on the power play, and uh, um, you know, they, they they got those opportunities, but. Uh, you know, the way we came out on uh, uh, Sunday against Trenton, I, I thought that was a solid 60 minutes by everybody. I mean, Chet Pickard was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he was. As he was uh, last weekend and, and Saturday. Um, you know, he finally got the result and uh, a shutout and a win. So uh, I, I thought everybody competed very well to a man. I mean, 10 forward, 60, everybody contributed uh, different parts of the game on Sunday. And you mentioned that the Sunday game, that the 3 nothing victory in the post game. your quote was about uh, the effort, not only in the first effort, but there was a second effort and a third effort. And, and I know that, that coming into that, that game, it's always disheartening when you, ha- when you have the lead and lose it, lose the game. It was amazing to see how much you just basically dominated considering it was role reversal for Trenton. They had come off of one of their best offensive games in, in arguably the last five years. They had eight goals uh, against, Florida's, uh, against Florida's five. Now, granted, a shootout back and forth, but, but man, they, the offense that they had the one night disappears the other side of things. Although you didn't get a ton of offense, the Team D was incredible. Yeah, I mean, we just, uh, our, our focus all weekend, our focus can be all year. Is, is solid defensively and, and, and making sure that we're we're aggressive defensively. We want to seal off walls. We want uh, you know DB and active sticks on pucks and getting in lanes and really try to smother them defensively. And I thought we did a good job of that for most of the night. And uh, you know the the work ethic I think uh, that this group has is tremendous. I mean we've got some you know hungry young forwards. We've got some young defensemen. There's a lot of competition still going on amongst our team. We still got nine defensemen and. Uh, uh, you know, 13, 14 forwards. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot of competition and everybody knows the importance of every shift, every game, uh, where they fit in the lineup. And address with us, if you will, what your thoughts were after the second period of last night where, and I'm still in the midst of looking for the number. I, I mentioned it last time in the air. The Cyclones let one shot on net and it was a questionable shot, a wraparound uh, in the second period. I have to go back in all 72 games last year and beyond uh, all the way back to 2006 when the Cyclones began ECHL player resumed it, that is, if it's ever happened before. I would imagine maybe one or two times, but certainly that's a rare feat in hockey at any level 
what were your thoughts after the second when you put one on the board? They have one on the board. Well, you know, I, I think our defense, I mean, we, we've got such mobile defensemen. We've got size back there. Um, you know, they, 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 they came together. We changed the pairings around a little bit with, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Suter being in the lineup and putting him with Adam Comrie and then uh, bringing up Brian O'Hanley and Chris Reed together, lefty-righty uh, combination that played extremely well. I thought that was Brian O'Hanley's one of the best games I've seen him play uh, you know, I, I can obviously only go back to last season, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Brian O'Hanley uh, yesterday was absolutely phenomenal for us. And, uh, you know, and then uh, bringing in, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Ainsley and then Seabrook as a pair. So, you know, Ryan Ainsley's gotten better and better every game. And, um, you know, Brent Se or Keith Seabrook, sorry, I'd like to have Brent Seabrook, yeah. but yeah. Keith is... Uh, Keith will work too. Keith will work too. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Keith Seabrook's an American Hockey League uh, defenseman and, and, and to have him down here has been really good. So... You know, you put those six together, and it, it, it really is um, it, it's a solid defensive core. And then, you know, we're still looking at, uh, you know, uh, Maury Edwards and Ryan Blair and David Leader, who was reassigned by uh, Milwaukee today. So, you know, we're still right back to where we were a week ago with our defensive uh, uh, core and, you know, some decisions we made this week on who's going to be in the lineup uh, against Kalamazoo on Saturday. We have a live mic. If you want to ask questions to the coach during the course of the show, you can come up and grab it. Rob will hook you up with that. And, you can ask your question to the coach or either of our two guests tonight. Justin Vive will be with us as well as Anthony Luciani, both in the house tonight and will be with us talking with us about the weekend and beyond, and more beyond a little bit later on. Uh, you mentioned O'Hanley and how well uh, he played on Sunday. And then we talk about Chris Reed, a, a young guy who ha has not played in every game, but, but uh, this weekend got his chance, paired with OH at times. What is it like? I mean, I guess you put a guy like O'Hanley with a young guy like Reed you're bound to get good results from your young couple players because he's just he's a good teacher in addition to a good defenseman. Yeah, I think the best thing with OH is that uh, you know he's a very confident guy. He's a guy with experience, and um, you know he, he's a he's a quality person, willing to help people out. He, he understood going into this weekend that you know Chris Reed was playing his first professional game, and you know you don't want to leave a guy out, hang out to dry. So I think he really communicated with him. I think yeah. you know even Chet told me after the game the communication between those two was really good. You know he could hear them all over the ice, uh, you know, talking things out. And, um, you know, the best part about it is uh, having a Chris Reed, who's more of a stay-at-home type guy, allowed Brian O'Hanley to get skating, get moving. And, and I've never seen uh, OH that physical. I thought he, uh, you know, he, he, he played the body very well. He, he eliminated uh, a lot of people. And, uh, you know, the way he moved the puck, the way he skated was tremendous. Along with Chris Reed, I thought he did a fantastic job. As we move through the week, we'll find out who the ECHL names their goaltender of the week as well as their forward or player of the week, as the case would be. It could have been a defenseman as well. We'll throw that out there. Uh, in addition, Chet Pickard nominated today for goaltender of the week. Odds as he has uh, 1.01 goals against average this past weekend. Of course, his, his third career shutout. And Adam Comrie uh, nominated today for the player of the week after he picks up uh, a, a couple of points uh, over the weekend, a goal on uh, Saturday uh, on the power play, no less, and a goal and an assist, including a, I, I would say, monumental on Sunday. Although a one nothing lead is nice, your Team D was great. Scoring that goal in the third period was awful big. Oh, that was a huge relief. We had some opportunities uh, throughout the game. I think, uh, you know, Justin, Justin Vive uh, redirected a few shots there. He had some opportunities in the slot there to put us up 2-0. Uh, you know, even Anthony Luciani coming down the wing had a few... Uh, Good scoring opportunities close to the net, but, uh, you know, it stayed at one nothing for the longest time, but then to see that uh, second goal go in was a big relief, and, uh, um, you know, there's, there's no, that's a great feeling. <laughs> there's still work to be done, but then, uh, you know, a great unselfish play by Dan Eves, who actually stole the puck, and, 
drew a defender to him to lay it out for Garrett Wilson for an empty netter. Uh, you know, Dan had every opportunity to go for the empty net, but decided to, uh, you know, give uh, share the puck and did a very classy move and get uh, Garrett Wilson the puck to go put in the empty net. Now the rules in the ECHL do not allow teams to nominate more than one player, although if there, there could have been a player nominated, I think Wasey Rabbit certainly is among those. Uh, he, he, to start the year, has done what only five other Cyclones players have ever done uh, for in their first year with the team, that is, and that is put points up in their first three games as a member of the team. Now, 10 players in all since 2006 have done it, but uh, that's elite company for a guy who I know you expect good things, but uh, he's been excellent every single night. Oh, you know, way see the way he competes in, in all areas and what he brings to our team is terrific, and the fact that he played four games in four nights, I right. mean, that was, uh, right. you know, he's already played, uh, what, five games this year. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've, we, we've played three here, but, uh, you know, he, he traveled, he played four and four and he didn't miss a beat yesterday. He competed and competed all, all game long for 60 minutes. And he, he, he eats up a lot of ice time for us. And, uh, um, I didn't see him miss a beat. There wasn't a moment where I felt, uh, maybe we should pull him back a little bit and give him a rest. I thought that, uh, you know, he just got better and better. And, uh, he had a, you know, a big crash in the boards there in the, uh, in the third period. I yeah. thought that, uh. You know, it might be an issue, but uh, he got right back out and, uh, you know, he just kept going. And, uh, you know, he's such a big part and such a presence in our room with these guys. And uh, his leadership has been tremendous. He's a funny guy now, too. Men interviewed him in the intermission yesterday night or yesterday afternoon, as the case would be. And, uh, you know, had a chance to eat, uh, eat the team lunch with him in the afternoon. The guy has a good sense of humor on top of it. Oh, he's great. I mean, I think if you name it Wasey Rabbit, you need a good <laughs> sense of humor. You've yeah, got to be pretty tough. Story. So I think he's a combination of all of them. So. <laughs> Um, you know, he's, uh, he's been terrific for us and, uh, you know, hopefully for our sake, he, he stays around for a while and, uh, you know, see what happens. You mentioned, uh, the reassignment of David Lederer, although didn't get any, any action, uh, in his, uh, five day stint with Milwaukee. Uh, he's not the only move, at least from a, from an addition standpoint that could be coming the Cyclones way over the next handful of days, if not sooner. Tell us about the guys that, that could be coming back. Well, like, uh, you know, right now we've, uh, David Leader has come down. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play a game in Milwaukee. They went out west to Abbotsford and, uh, you know, more of a depth uh, situation for him. Uh, you know, I think our goaltending situation with Florida should be uh, uh, decided in about a week. And, um, you know, Daniel Coger was uh, in Toronto today getting his immigration. Uh, we're just waiting for the U.S. consulate to, uh, you know, grant his uh, P1 petition and, once he does, I, I'm anticipating, anticipating Daniel to be in the lineup this weekend. So, you know, that'll be great to get him back or, or at least get him in the lineup. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say back. We've not uh, had him in a regular season game. But, uh, you know, he's been very patient with the process. Sometimes this thing, these things happen. And uh, um, he is up in Toronto right now, and uh, we expect him back in Cincinnati within a day or two and in our lineup Saturday. Evan Trupp also on the 21-day IR, but that, that 21 days is rapidly uh, approaching its conclusion uh, and you've seen him on the ice kind of rehabbing. Tell us about uh, how he's looking at this point. Well, Evan's, uh, Evan's a, a tremendous uh, offensively talented player, and, uh, you know, he's working hard. It's a, it's a tough road right now for him every day, just skating by himself, jumping in a few drills with the guys, and then getting Andrew Castles to skate him after practice or before practice. So, you know, that's a long road, and uh, trying to keep him part of the group as much as possible. And, um, you know, he's coming along. So, you know, there'll be some... Some decisions we made as we get into that uh, weekend of November uh, 4th and 5th uh, before our home opener, along with Matt Pierce, who's uh, 
skating well, looking good. He's completely healed, and uh, you know, just waiting for him to get off the IR. Also, Matthew Aban was uh, was on the IR, a three day IR, I believe. We were never really sure. Three that, yeah. on the bus, it was a three day, uh, but was kind of nursing a sore groin. I, he was on the ice today. How did he look? And do you expect him in the lineup Saturday? Well, I think with uh, Matthew's groin and the the schedule we have and, and and what's going on, you know, if he's not ready Saturday, then uh, you know we'll just keep him on the IR. I don't think there's any rush to get Abby back. We like him in our lineup. He's a big part of our offense. He's a big part of our team. But um, you know, if this is something that he's not 100 percent with the, the the players we have here right now, that I think if uh, we can sit him out another weekend, uh, then we'll have to do that. Hey, you probably, in your mind, rather have him sit out an extra week now than perhaps be. Uh, somewhere on the ice uh, uh, at the end of the year, getting set to go. And uh... thanks. What was that about? I don't know. Yeah, either way, Matthew Aban, if he was going to come back too early, groin injuries are ones that can really nag, can be a problem later in the season. So if if you're sitting in in February and March with an Aban that maybe pushed himself too far too soon in October uh, that's not a good situation you'd rather have the uh, the opposite situation you know I, I think Abby will uh, you know be close to 100% on Saturday but if he's not 100% there's no need to put him in we don't need something la- uh, lingering around for weeks or months here so you know we'll assess it as the week goes along uh, the guy's got to uh, get a good workout in tomorrow we'll be back on the ice Wednesday and uh, at that point we can kind of see where everybody's at and uh, you know of course Trump and Pierce are not going to be uh, available to us but um, you know hopefully Koger and we'll see where Abby is and then uh, the goaltending situation will be hopefully resolved by uh, uh, next sun- next Monday at 7 o'clock when we're talking here. I certainly hope so. Uh, the other thing about, we mentioned team defense, the Cyclones at this point in the year, although not a game in hand, a lot of teams have played one additional game uh, this season have the third fewest or tied with the third fewest goals against in the entire league. And I think it's also fair to note that over just two games, and this is not including the Kalamazoo game, uh, you've posted 74 shots on goal. Uh, it's one of those things, those are the type of discrepancies you want to have high shots and low shots against. Uh, it, right off the bat against some good teams, Redding and Kezu, it's a good number to have in the early going. You know, I felt in all three games we had opportunities to open up the game. Even that uh, game in Kalamazoo when it was, uh, y- you know, uh, tight there, we, we had opportunities to uh, to open it up and, and, you know, we either hit a post or a goaltender made a great save or, you know, we've had breakaways and we just haven't been able to capitalize. And again, on Saturday in Reading, we had many opportunities to, uh, uh, you know, open that game up for ourselves. And, um, you know, it, it hasn't happened. You know, that's a, that's a thing with offense. You know, you... You keep plugging away. You keep doing the right things. You'll get rewarded eventually. But uh, sometimes it just uh, it doesn't go your way. That, but we, you know, we put enough shots at them last night. We had enough quality opportunities in Trenton that, that you know I thought we could have got a, a bigger lead early on. But you know the thing is, you stick to the game plan. You keep keep working at it. Keep playing solid defense. And uh, you know at the end of the day, you're looking for results. Special special teams wise, uh, there were a lot of opportunities on the power play, and I think that although the numbers. Uh, and the conversion rate not as high as I'm sure you'd like it. It's not because of lack of chances. The puck movement was great when you had the man advantage. You just haven't quite found the, the way to get in the net yet. Yeah, I think our power plays moved it very well. I think uh, you know with the the, shot, the the threat of shots at the point from a Seabrook and a Comrie and O'Hanley and you know Ainsley. You know he, he's very good at getting pucks to the net. And with with the Fords we have, I thought we had great puck movement. I thought we. Uh, we penetrated very well. We just didn't get the results. Uh, I believe Comrie got the one power play goal. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think our power, our PK, we made an adjustment after uh, after Saturday. I thought we were a little, uh, we gave them a little bit too much room in Reading. 
um, with those type of guys, you need to put a little bit more pressure on them, and we made that adjustment on uh, on uh, Sunday, and it seemed to work. And speaking of, and speaking of the penalty kill, we talk about Chet Pickard. Talked to him last week about how hard he worked in this off season. Now it's we're really starting to see, especially with that shutout yesterday. Just talk about Chet's overall. How he seems to be raising his level every night. No, I mean Chet's uh, Chet's been uh, very very well. I mean he he's he's compete competes all the time. You know he played well in Kalamazoo. He played well in Reading, and I thought he played uh, uh, great yesterday. So um, you know he wants to build. He's in a good place right now, mentally, physically. Um, you know he wants to. He's here to help us win. He's here to help you know get his game in order. And, uh, you know, we'll see how all that plays out with Milwaukee and how long he's here and how uh, all things go. But in the meantime, uh, you know, Chet's enjoying himself. He's competing and, uh, you know, found some success yesterday. Over your first uh, weekend, the long, the long road trip, that is, uh, are there any surprises in your mind positively? Uh, yeah, I don't know about surprises. I mean, there's some guys that you sign you're not 100% sure on. But, I mean, I, I look at our forward group and, you know, the way Garrett Wilson plays, uh, I can't say enough about Garrett Wilson. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Joe Devin and, and the, the two guys that are coming up here tonight, I think, you know, Justin Vive is uh, doing a great job for us and, and Anthony Luciani. I mean, these guys are going to continue to get better and better and figure out the pro game and they're going to get – they're going to find more and more success as the season goes along and uh, – um, you know, from, on defense there, I mean, we knew what we're getting in Brian O'Hanley and, and, you know, Adam Comrie. And I think when you look at Aki Seabrook with his experience, but I think our, our, our Maury Edwards and Chris Reed and Ryan Ainsley and Ryan Blair, I think have done a, done a great job. And unfortunately, you know, for them, we got to figure out who fits in where, but it's a great, um, great problem for us to have. And I think it was interesting to note that you, you put the A on, on Garrett Wilson this past weekend, at least on Sunday. Uh, and it's nice, I think, that you, you get a chance to see somebody like that with a high, high marks from Florida, and he's followed suit and given you three great games to start his professional career. You know, uh, you know Garrett Wilson's been a leader, a captain of the Owen Sound, um, or, uh, yeah, Owen Sound Platers, went to the Memorial Cup last year, and, uh, you know, when you meet Garrett, you can tell he's a, he's a leader right off the hop, and, uh, you know, he, he does all the right things, and um, I thought it was important to get a young guy included in our leadership group until we you know, rotate some A's and kind of, you know, see how, how the season progresses on whether we name a captain anytime soon. And, uh, you know, Garrett uh, responded. I thought he set the tone yesterday for our team uh, first shift. He went out there and ran somebody right through the glass. And uh, that set the tone for our team the, for the rest of the 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, there, this isn't a case of giving a guy an A and see what happens. This is a guy that's a leader, and I'm very comfortable with him wearing an A for our group. Uh, you had a team meeting before the Reading game, and not to kind of backtrack, but uh, it, it was interesting to watch as you, and I'm sure this is the case every year, you've got guys that have played elsewhere. Now, in this particular example, Rob Slaney, who played with the Reading Royals just last season, um, is obviously going to have a pretty good idea of, of some of the weak points, some of the strong points, scouting reports, if you will. Uh, is that type of a uh, of a scouting report common among all the locker rooms, or is it something that, that you try to stress and it's something that maybe you haven't done in the past? Well, you know, I think you want to prepare your players and, and have an idea of who's, uh, who's playing and uh, who, different personnel on, on the other team. But I, th I think as a coaching staff and the, the, the fact that, you know, we don't have a scouting staff, I think you'd be, you know, foolish not to ask guys that know, know more about it than, than we would about personality so, or personnel. So, you know, we had a meeting about just their players. There's some players, obviously, you know, you know Carruthers, you know LaBelle. You know, that Rando, there's certain players, Rob Queet and stuff. But, um, you know, why wouldn't we ask Rob Slaney what his thoughts are on certain players? So, yep. you know, we had a team meeting, and basically Slane's uh, brought us along on everybody and gave us our thoughts on the players, kind of their strengths, their weaknesses. And, uh, 
and you know there's some young guys coming out of college or junior that that you haven't seen that uh you know these guys know about and they'll speak up and say well i played against him and this is what they see and so it's good it's good to get guys involved talking and, and more on a personal level about what we're about to face here from a personnel standpoint physicality was also at, a, at a, probably a season high although it's a short sample size uh you made that a point in your meeting again uh prior to the reading game and it carried over on sunday you have been uh, your team that is running around like crazy hitting guys not afraid to get into the corners it i'm sure pleases you to see how physical everybody is getting defense and forwards yeah i mean everybody uh we we talk about this is it you know no matter your size or your your skill level everybody can finish checks and uh you know you don't have to put money somebody through the boards but you need to be you know uh everybody needs bumps out there and i, I thought that uh, to a man we did it on on saturday also and 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 sunday and uh uh you know we did a really good job with that um you know all those areas all those dirty areas i think everybody got to them uh, and, and it makes a big difference everybody buys in in that case those cases a couple of interesting notes that we will pass along to you there's going to be an announcement more of, on an official term in the next couple of days but we're going to have eight viewing parties throughout the year at different areas of the tri-state and it's uh it's going to kind of culminate towards the end of the season um in late january when the cyclones head to chicago a pbr party bus and where you have a chance to possibly win two tickets on that party bus to join us in chicago as uh you'll get two tickets on that bus to watch the cyclones take on the express at the end of january when we hit that uh, that road trip so uh details to follow uh, the first one tentatively scheduled the watch party that is is going to be on november the 20th when the cyclones take on toledo i'll have details on cycloneshockey.com soon and uh it'll be something you want to take a uh, take a, a look at and become involved with because i know like uh, like Jared and I, I'm sure you all are very excited to, to maybe be with us in Chicago as we face the Express many times this season, 16 to be precise, as we move through the season. More with Jared coming up in just a few minutes, but coming up next, we'll visit with the former Miami Redhawk who is making his rookie season on the Cyclones ice. He is with us next, Justin Vive. This is the Cyclones Coors Light, Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. Welcome back to the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show live at GameWorks every Monday night. We're here 7 to 8, although a programming note, if you are keeping track and you're here every week, next Monday we will not be here because it is Halloween. So enjoy Halloween. And uh, we will see you back here after tonight, that is, on November the 7th. Pleased to be joined by a former Miami Red Hawk. He was a member of the team that went to the national championship game back in 2008. His father, Rick, played Many, many years in the National Hockey League, and he is in his first season of professional hockey after finishing that career in Oxford last spring. Give it up for number 24, Justin Vive. Now, they make fun of me, and I'm sure there are going to be those like Coach in the back who, who think I, 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 I don't know if salivate is the right word, but being a Miami alum, maybe pl- pay a little bias towards players that came from Miami. Rob is, is nodding his head yes, but <laughs> I think Miami is, is an elite program, is it not? So it, it's worth being excited about. No, I definitely think you're Thank right you. there. Thank you. All right. Well, at least at least I got one person person in my camp. I know that uh, being close to Miami keeps, uh, and obviously the internet you can keep track. But but uh, we're going to get a chance to go up and watch Miami on Thursday. So uh, let me before we get into it, get your thoughts on uh, what is going on without you in Oxford, which is certainly not uh, what you would have hoped for. Early uh, early struggles for the Red Hawks this season. What have you heard? What have you seen? And uh, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean. It's not what I expected, obviously, going into it. But, um, you know, they're a really young team. We lost, obviously, five guys that are... clearly. (laughs) 
<laughs> not trying to pump just my own kidding, tires, but kidding. no, five guys that all left, obviously, um, are playing professional hockey now mm-hmm. and a school like Miami, that's a big thing. Cause usually, uh, some of the guys that are graduating are just going on right into uh, their careers and not really pursuing hockey. So, um, with that young of a team, I think there's 11 freshmen on campus right now. So I know they're expecting a little uh, better start than they did, but um, you know it's a growing process right now, and they're hoping throughout the year it'll kind of turn around. Tell us about your time there, because I know that that there are always differing views. I know Coach, we've talked about many times, has has his opinions on uh, on fine institutions like college, uh, like Notre Dame and Miami, and others, even in the CCHA. But but how do you feel like Miami prepared you for the program pro game now that you're three three games into that pro career? Um, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Um, the biggest thing I've kind of noticed is the uh, kind of independence that you gain going to college. Um, I know if you play junior hockey and stuff like that, you're living with a billet family. Uh, mm-hmm. They're kind of taking care of you. They're kind of doing all the little things for you that you don't have to worry about on your own. And when you go to college, you are on your own, and there's no one there to kind of look over your shoulder and remember to do your homework or to go to class or to be there at the rink at a certain time. So kind of the independence thing was the biggest thing I've noticed so far, living on my own, kind of, um, I guess, looking out for myself and making sure I'm doing everything that I need to be doing. In a four-year career, you averaged a plus four at Miami and and continued to be one of the mainstays on the ice. And uh, one of the first things that you and I talked about when you you came here in one of our interviews during – uh, during our documentary, Making the Cut, was your size. Obviously, at 6'6 six, six plus on skates, uh, it's a situation where sometimes maybe you're uh, a target that, that people go after, whether in college or now here in the pro game. Uh, how have you adjusted to that as your career has moved from, from the amateur level to college and now to the pro? Um, I mean, I haven't really changed my game, I mean, for what I can see um, a lot at all, actually. I mean, I like being a physical player. Uh, being this big, obviously, it helps. Uh, it gives you the advantage over smaller players when you do want to become physical. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess the only real adapting from college to pro hockey is fighting. And, I mean, whether that comes with my game or not, I don't really <laughs> mind it, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously welcome to the uh, <laughs> opportunity. But, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not really going to change my game from the college to the pro level just because of, I guess, the difference in the play and the speed and everything like that. I'm still going to be as physical as I was at Miami and try to continue that. Your dad's a, a well-known NHL player, had almost 900 games at hockey's highest level, probably most uh, well-known for his time in Toronto. Uh, growing up around the game, professional hockey, uh, how has that shaped your career? Um, I've definitely kind of um, learned a lot more than I probably should have at a, at a young age, I guess you could say. Um, I know uh, Coach Scaldi's uh, son, Skate, obviously, I was the exact same way. I was on road trips. I was experiencing it all at a young age. And when I kind of, when I was playing and experienced it firsthand, it wasn't really a shocker to me. Sure. I was like, oh, I've seen this 100 times already. I've, I know what to do. Okay. And uh, mainly not away from the ice. That was the thing. When you're on the road and you need to do things or take care of your body or stuff like that. Like yeah. I've watched my dad. I've seen other guys do it on the bus, on the road trips. So it was kind of really not that big of a learning process to me. It was just kind of adjusting as I went on. Yeah, so you know kind of going in when you see something like a, a bus trip or anything, you kind of get that uh, that learning curve isn't quite as steep perhaps. Exactly. And, and not to mention, you know, you go to a, a school like Miami where they have a lot of travel. They're, they're flying places. They're on charters. You know, mm-hmm. you, granted, uh, compared to what the ECHL travel is like, you know, high-level college sports, Ohio State, Michigan, Miami, all the, you know, even BC, Boston, U, they, they travel a little differently than, than maybe teams in the coast would. So uh, on one end, you, you have the experience of mm-hmm. kind of knowing throughout your life what it's like to to be around the game, but also you've seen the, the glamour that comes with, with both the NHL and high-level college hockey. Exactly. Has that been an adjustment for you now, bus tripping? Um, yeah, it's different. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not used to actually busing on the day of a game. That's definitely something 
since I've been playing that you can't experience just from watching people do it, something you have to feel for yourself. Uh, that's definitely the biggest adjustment I've noticed so far is I'm used to getting there the night before, you get a good sleep, you get a pregame skate, and it's kind of definitely just a different atmosphere when you show up there and you're expected to be on the ice in two hours ready to play a game at yeah. that kind of level. So that's definitely the biggest thing that I've noticed so far. The one thing that, that are many things that, that um, is unique uh, about Miami, at least from my, our set, because we've actually seen it, you experienced mm -hmm. it, I watched it, um, is the mentality that, that is known as the brotherhood up there. I know you're wearing a, uh, a remembrance band for uh, the late Brendan Burke, and it, it says on the other side, the brotherhood. For mm -hmm. those that may not know what that means to you and to anybody that is connected to the program, explain it. Um, I mean, I could be here up here, all, up here all night trying to explain it. But, um, I mean, in simple terms, it's just a group of guys that kind of decided that they were more than just teammates. Um, I mean, we were together for four years. Um, it was kind of a special bond that we held that we, um, we really cherished. I mean, I don't know if, if any other really college team can say that. Like, I talked to every other senior that's graduated with me at least two or three times a week on the phone, texting, whatever. And, I mean, I don't really know any other classes around the country that keep in that good of contact. Like, I can tell you exactly how every one of my classmates' games went every single night they played just because we talked to each other every night. We text, we call, like I said. So it was just something that brought our team that much closer. And when you're on the ice and you know the guy next to you will go that extra mile to kind of make you um, a better player, it definitely helps. And especially in games, uh, it's something that just you can't replace. What was it like playing in the national championship game? Um, just an emotional roller coaster, I guess you could say. I mean, obviously for the people that know how it ended up. Um, yep. I mean, it was definitely an emotional experience. Uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience as well. I mean, you look at teams. I mean, I think the only team other than – I think Boston College might be the only other team that's been to the national final and either won or lost over the last five or six years multiple times. And uh, – I mean, when you get there, you really know that it, this is your one shot for it. You only get four years. It's not like a pro career where it could extend 15, 20 years. Right. You know, you have four years, and that's pretty much it. It's certainly a memorable run, though, in, in that season. And you, for your four-year career, you've had a chance to play uh, with, with a lot of players that, that are now at the highest level. Andy Mealy ended up making his uh, mm -hmm. NHL debut the other night with Phoenix. And uh, I know it's exciting for you to get a chance to watch that, but I also imagine uh, having your, your first handful of games at the pro level, it, it whets your appetite to, to get there and, and to drive to the NHL like, like, like many of your teammates and many of, of people from Miami University's past have accomplished. Um, I mean, like we talked about earlier, we called it the brotherhood. And as brothers are, they're competitive. Mm -hmm. And you see somebody that you graduated with or you playing with going up a level, yeah. you want to be right there with them, playing against him, even going above him. So, I mean, as guys that I played with in the past, present, future, whatever, um, are moving up, then it kind of gives you that extra appetite to try to push yourself a little bit harder and get up there and play against them. It was a good weekend for the Cyclones, despite uh, having a, a split. I, I feel like, and again, a little bit biased, that, that this team is the best one and two team in the ECH quite honestly, mm -hmm. uh, or, or even just under 500 team, uh, you've had a great start. And, and it seems like, and I mentioned it every, every week so far, the team is jailed, guys are, are playing well together. And, and it just, it seems like a very cohesive nucleus of guys. And, and I'm sure that helps coming into your first year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it makes it a much easier adjustment uh, process coming in when guys are comfortable around each other. They know where to look on the ice and know where to find guys and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, uh, Saturday we had a couple of tough bounces and um, I think we definitely played well enough to win that game. Um, I mean, you know, it's sometimes that's how hockey works. You come out on the bottom, you come out on the top when you don't deserve it or you do deserve it. So, um, 
But other than that, you know, it's been a great couple games and uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. We have time for questions. If anybody wants to ask Justin Vibe, step up to the live mic. In the meantime, Rob has something for us. Go ahead, Rob. Speaking of your adjustment, new guy in the locker room, a rookie, talk about how you've adjusted and in going into, in a, into a, new, a new area, new locker room with the new team. Um, I mean, I think you guys were talking about it earlier, the uh, leadership on this team and some of the older guys, um, O'Hanley and uh, Alban and all those guys are great with the rookies. Um, you know, they're uh, definitely very vocal around you and uh, they make you feel like you're kind of at home and uh, you, you belong there. It's not kind of like you're an outcast. You have to pay your dues. It's kind of you belong here. You're on the team. And, you know, they want you here. Curious, you growing up around the pro, pro game with your dad. And coming up, do you have any superstitions or anything you've picked up along the way that you have your pregame ritual you'd like to go through? Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm a really uh, superstitious guy. I know uh, at the Booster Club uh, dinner the other night I was talking about it. They sure all heard about it. But, um, yeah, I guess just from seeing my dad, seeing other people, I kind of do something, pick it up. And if I end up having a good game that night, then <laughs> it kind of just added to the repertoire. So, um I mean, again, I could be here all night kind of reading all my superstitions off. But, yeah, I'm definitely a very superstitious guy. Okay, when it comes now, to now the, the, they got to hear it. I wasn't at the dinner. So, so for those that may not have heard it, give us maybe one or two. Uh, I'll give you a few real quick. Okay. Um, I nap for the same length every day no matter how much time or how little time I have. Uh, drink the same number of coffees before or cups of coffee before each game. Chew the same amount of pieces before uh, gum each, uh, before each game. Get dressed the exact same way, down and then back. Now, with the coffee, is it a, a certain type of coffee? or no, Okay, just, so it just and no matter what coffee is available, it's how many cups? 24, uh, 22? No, one when I get there, one after the coach's meeting, one before warm-up, and then one after warm-up. So That's pretty intense. Lots of caffeine. Pretty intense now. You're, no wonder you're skating <laughs> out there flying around the ice. All right, we have a question from the crowd. Mike is here. Go ahead, Mike. Hi. Hey, Justin. Uh, my question is, you were born and raised in Buffalo, New York, right? Yes. Is that a real big advantage for hockey, do you think? What, at what age did you actually start? Three years old, four? Um, I, well, yeah, I started skating with my dad and the t uh, with his team when I was three. And then we actually moved to South Carolina when he, he coached down there for the Stingrays. So I moved down there when I was four, and I skated with him till then. But I actually never played in the league until I was about eight years old. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your question. We have more from the crowd, I think, as we move through with Justin Vibe. We have time for maybe a couple of more, so line them on up. Go ahead. Say, hey, Justin. How's it going? Good. Say, um, I mean, you played college at Miami, Ohio, and now you're playing hockey pro in Ohio. Do you like all this hockey in Ohio? I mean, is it your favorite state now? Perhaps. <laughs> uh, it's sure getting up there. I mean, <laughs> I actually feel comfortable driving back down here every time from home now. Uh, you know, the first time I came down to Miami, it was definitely a weird experience. I really knew nothing about the state, nothing about the surroundings. And now guys on the team are talking about places around Cincinnati, and I'm talking to them and giving them directions like I've, I've grown up here. So you know, I'm definitely getting yeah. used, used to the city, used to the state. And, uh, it's definitely treated me well so far. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for your question, and we will have plenty more as the, uh, the show goes on. Coming up next, we'll have Anthony Luciani with us. Best of luck, and thank you for being with us, Justin. Thanks for having me, Give guys. it up for Justin Vive as the Cyclones rookie continues his first year in Cincinnati. Anthony Luciani is next on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Okay. Now You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Back to it, another segment live on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Along with Rob Roberts, 
I'm Nick Brunker, and now we have our next guest. I was in his first season of professional hockey. I think he is uh, excited to tell us a little bit more about himself. Give it up for Anthony Luciani. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for spending your evening with us. We appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. You had your first assist uh, a couple of nights ago, and, and tell us a little bit about uh, uh, how it felt to get on the board for that very first time as a pro. Uh, it felt pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're always wanting to uh, get a couple points uh, every game, but um, it, it came there, and uh, the right thing was happening and that's what we did we talked uh, to jared about how well the team played over the weekend and it, it looked like you were uh, feeling extremely confident out there i know that that everybody um in the first game was kind of getting their wits about them and although it was another good game uh, this past weekend everybody really looked like things were were meshing and gelling in the systems that are in place people are picking it up and i know uh, it looked like you felt pretty good out there as well um i wouldn't say pretty good but i felt okay really? uh have much more to uh, bring, but uh, you know, the team did well, and uh, I felt like we were picking it up from uh, the first game, and that's all that matters. Perhaps your own biggest critic. Where do you feel like you, you can make improvements? Just uh, you know, defensively and uh, picking up my man and winning on winning battles. You are friends with Mike Liambus. You've, you've been so for a while. Uh, yeah. Tell us about your relationship with Mike and uh, the type of guy he is, and, and your friendship over the years. Uh, Mike's a open-hearted guy. He's a great guy. Uh, I've known him for about five or six years. Uh, we live actually 20 minutes apart from each other. So we hang out in the summer and uh, we just do what we got to do to uh, you know, uh, get ready for the season. Yeah, um, there's a few guys from Florida and whatnot, but uh, you know, um, I like to uh, get get to know everybody, and you know, we're just hanging out, and uh, we're like a family. When you talk about the family mentality, you you obviously go to. Uh, to camp in, in San Antonio and you work your way up and you, you get a chance to, to play with guys like Keith and others. And uh, I know it, it's exciting to, to get that opportunity. Tell me how, how prospect camp went and how you like being able to, to experience that early going in the year. It went really well. Um, I, last year I actually went to uh, the Chicago Blackhawks camp and got to know some guys there. But uh, this year was just another stepping stone for me and I kind of knew what to expect. And all the guys were very, very nice to me and you know, I couldn't say anything else about him. You're a guy that, that doesn't seem to have any fear on the ice. You're flying around. You don't, you don't ever seem to, to shy away from a hit. You go into the corners. You, you make plays. Um, that's something for, for somebody who is, is at 5'8", listed on at least our, our stat sheet. You know, kind of a necessity, especially at this league. You've got you to gotta throw your weight around, and it, it makes a big difference, I bet. Of course. Uh, your first thing is you, you can't show you're scared, and... You got to do what you got to do to uh, get to the next level. And if, if, if hitting, fighting, scoring goals is what you need to do, then you got to uh, succeed. Now, would you say you are a fighter? Because so far there haven't really been any. In fact, there are, have been no major fights uh, this season. Uh, uh, when you look at how the season has gone so far, I'm sure that is a, a stat that will not stand up. But uh, are you a guy that will drop the mitts? <laughs> Of course, uh, <laughs> I have no uh, worries about fighting. But I mean, only if it's if it's mandatory or if it's if it calls for the situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to go out there looking for fights. But 
if necessary, then yeah, I have no problem with that. Uh, one of the things that I noticed over the weekend is that you were constantly communicating with Coach Scaldi. I know that uh, uh, being able to kind of to get advice and, 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 and maybe hone your game on a, on a nightly basis, even looking at video, is something that makes you a better player. Tell us about uh, your communication with him and how it's helped you so far. Um, well, I got to, uh, I, I got to do what I got to do to get to the next level. And Coach Scaldi is telling me what to do to succeed. And if I don't do it, then I won't. But, I mean, I got to, to succeed. Absolutely. Now, we had, we got, had an adventure over the weekend. Um, it was, was it Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday. It was Sunday in Trenton. That's right. Yes, it uh, was. We get on the bus and... We are intending to go to Macaroni Grill, which is a place now down the street, or at least we think down the street Yummy. from our hotel. Good, good, you know, a place where you can get pasta and bread and, you know, kind of carb up before, before the game. I hop along, and uh, we get on the bus, and we think we're going to get there quickly. Yet that was not the case. Tell us what happened. 45 minutes later, <laughs> uh, you... Uh, you took out your GPS and realized you were going the wrong way, but... Uh, I wasn't driving, just to point that <laughs> no, out. No, you were not, but... Um, you uh, made it aware to the bus driver that we yes. were going quite the wrong way, and you gave him some advice and well, friendly advice. Friendly advice. Yes. And he took yeah. it. He did. About a half hour later. Yeah, and then a half hour <laughs> later after that, we got to our place and <laughs> ten minutes to spare. We got to eat and we were, we were fortunate to get uh, home on time. Not quite the the afternoon nap ability on a Sunday game anyway, but that certainly didn't help things. Now, speaking of food, I, I talked with uh, Wasey Rabbit after uh, the lunch just before the game to kind of air on our intermission report, and uh, we talked about his, his love for food. Uh, do you share that same love? And I imagine with a name like Luciani, I'm just going out on a limb, you kind of like the Italian food, I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it, but I mean, I get sick of it a little bit in the really? summer times. Yeah, every Sunday is hanging out with the family and having the traditional Sunday meal. But uh, it's kind of cool because I mean, I've been away from family since I was eighteen, playing in Erie, and uh, being with the non-Italian family and getting meals like that and whatnot. But um, do you come from a large family? I do. And so, the, is it the holidays? Do you, do you get a chance to actually meet up with on holiday? I mean, because hockey season doesn't always lend itself to, to right. holiday meals, but right, do you right. get a chance to do that? Oh, yeah. Christmas, uh, everyone makes sure they're in the same house and cool. under the same roof, and we get presents. And grandma, or we like to say in Italian, nonna, cooks a, a very, very hearty meal, and I'm pretty sure we gain a few pounds. <laughs> Favorite food? For during the, I mean, it's hard to narrow it down. I understand yeah. having Italian blood in me as well, but but uh, is there one thing that you look forward to the most? Italian or non-Italian? Ita Italian, yeah. We can go both if you want, but um, Italian probably these things called cannellonis. They're like pasta with ricotta cheese or meat stuffed in them. Mm -hmm. Or uh, just normal food, probably steak. Now, could you do a – is that like a pregame meal? I don't know if that's no, – uh, I don't no, think you no, probably no, need no, that for no, a pregame no, meal. No. If you had to choose a pregame meal, is it is it kind of one of those superstitions where you try to do the same things? If so, yeah. what is it? Um, the last four years I've been having pregame meal, we've been doing pierogies. Really? Pierogies, yeah. Minus the sour cream. Yeah, of course. Strictly pierogies no and salad. No dairy. So um, it's kind of what I've been going through, so – 
Yeah. Well, so far, so good for you. You already have a point on the board. You've been running around like crazy making hits and, and being in, in good position. Hopefully that continues, and we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for being Thank with us. Thank you very much. That's Anthony Luciani. We'll come back and look forward to the weekend. The Cyclones on the I, ice once. I just want to make a quick shout-out to uh, my, the Florida Four, me and my boys. There you go. Thank you. The Florida Four. Thank back you. after this on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. Final segment here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on this Monday night from GameWorks. Don't forget, we'll be off next Monday for Halloween, and we'll return on November the 7th. Glad you have been with us today. For Rob and for Jared, I'm Nick. Glad you could be with us once again. Again, don't want to forget to remind you that, of course, every week you can get good, uh, good food and drink specials here, $2 uh, rum and Cokes, as well as Coors Light, of course, the presenting sponsor for the show uh, on a weekly basis, plus the viewing parties will be throughout the course of the year. More details on that, how you can join us in Chicago on the PBR party bus. Should be fun. Should be very fun. Uh, and we'll have details, like I said, CyclonesHockey.com, probably in the next uh, day or so when it becomes official. But since you're here, you kind of get the inside scoop. Last night, we were on the way back from uh, from Trenton, the 10-hour bus ride, roughly. Kind of awkward because as the, the, buses, uh, as the bus rides go, um, Sunday afternoon games always result in kind of that, that – no man's land because you can't really just go to sleep. It's 7 o'clock in the evening uh, when you leave that 4 o'clock game. Uh, so most of the evening is spent kind of just talking, shooting the breeze about hockey and other things, maybe going over video if it be, uh, uh, time uh, permits. Last night there was not a lot of video, uh, video review. We had more kind of hockey conversations. And uh, one of the things that, that came up was the, uh, the discussion about the, the game itself and maybe the, the, the way defensemen – uh, are perceived nowadays and the, the best defenseman ever. I think we got into a debate with, with you, with, with me, with Coach uh, Castles and uh, the e-bug the for the weekend and uh, the backup goalie, Mike Pataglia, who uh, unbeknownst to I think most people here has a, a position with the Columbus Blue Jackets and an internship role working in their hockey ops department. It's, it obviously comes down from Columbus uh, from time to time to, uh, to be with us as an emergency backup. Uh, he was kind of, in your eyes, mistaken on his top four. Tell us who you believe are your top four defensemen ever. Well, I think, uh, you know, you look at, uh, it's, it's tough to go uh, uh, prior to Bobby Orr. I think, uh, you know, Bobby Orr is uh, a guy you'd say has, has to be the best defenseman. I think the second best defenseman ever is Nicholas Lidstrom uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. And, uh, you know, after that, you can look at, you know, there's arguments with, uh, you know, Raymond Bork and uh, Dennis Potvin and, uh, you know, there's many, you know, I don't think too many people have seen Doug Harvey play and stuff like that. So I think it's difficult uh, beyond that. I think it got to the point of uh, Zdeno Chara and, uh, you know. His uh, argument was that, that he's he's not a very good defenseman because. Doesn't skate well. He can't skate well. But, uh, you know, you're six foot nine with that reach and that. Uh, there's so much more to Zdeno Chara than, than a lot of people realize. I mean, from his leadership to his uh, intensity and, and the type of person he is and everything. I mean, he's a. Uh, you don't see a guy like this come around uh, uh, ever. You know, a guy with that size, that ability, that shot, that leadership, that quality of person. I had the opportunity to play with Zdeno Char in Lexington his first season, and, uh, you know, he's a special person. He's very, very special as a human being. Uh, his intelligence, uh, you know, away from, away from hockey, and then the fact that his ability on the ice is he's an absolute freak of nature that is someone that big. <laughs> can be that talented and, and put skates on and play and uh you know you uh, you know you look for guys i mean everybody can skate in the nhl now and it's not uh too often you can see a defenseman i think maybe hal gill might be one of the the, 
the, the last of the guys that doesn't really move, yeah. but uh, and he's still very effective. But, you know, you look at the big men now in the National Hockey League, they all can move. Time uh, for one or two more questions before we wrap up on this Monday night. Mike is here, and Mike, you go ahead. Hey, Jared. Uh, we're on Facebook a lot. East really? Street. Yeah, they <laughs> We have, we have this thing called ECHL Trash Talk, and the Reading Royals fans complimented the Cyclones of outplaying them mm-hmm. in that Reading game. I just thought I'd throw that out at you. And I, you know, I agree, Mike. I think uh, I thought we all played the most tonight. I think we just got caught uh, just, uh, you know, obviously a penalty situation in the third period. And I don't think it was us being overly aggressive. I just thought maybe... Just, uh, you know, skating a little bit more, you know, not using our stick. And then, uh, you know, we, di- we didn't do a good enough job we needed to do on the PK uh, in that third period. I mean, that's a talented team. It's something we talked about. They just wait to get on the power play. We, we, we let them right into that. So, um, you know, I, I agree with that, that comment you made, Mike. I thought we did all play them and, 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 and deserved a little bit better outcome than we got. From Mike Thanks, to Mike. Mike. <laughs> Last question of the night. Go ahead. Hey, Jared, I just want to comment on how good of a job you guys done on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You guys played great and play like that. You guys are going to have a great chance this year. All right. So that's all I got. Thank you, hey, Mike. Mike. Thanks we, a lot. Yeah. We, we appreciate that. Before we wrap up, I, I don't want to uh, do avoid giving a quick preview for the weekend, although it's kind of like probably the same story, different day for the Kalamazoo Wings and the Cyclones. is Saturday will be the second time in three weeks that these two teams knock skates up at, uh, at Wings Stadium. Uh, is there anything that really uh, you're going to change? I imagine the, the stuff you saw over the weekend is what you're going to see on Saturday. You know, I think from our end, yeah, I think it's nice now that we've played them uh, once and, uh, you know, we, uh, preparation this week's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun preparing for Saturday and making some adjustments from their end. But from our end, you know, we're going to play the way that uh, we want to play, and uh, I'm excited to get in there on Saturday. We'll be looking forward to it. Our airtime on the Cyclones Radio Network Saturday night will be at 7.15. Puck drops with Rob and I, who will be with us in the broadcast booth at 7.15. Going to be a good weekend. We hope to see you on November the 5th between now and then as the Cyclones open up their home season then against the Chicago Express. For Rob and Jared, I'm Nick. Thanks for being with us at GameWorks. We'll see you in two weeks on the Cyclones Radio Network.